Well, thank you guys for that. It's good to have a piano player and somebody that can lead the, the music. I'll tell you what, we uh, at the apartments yesterday, we were struggling by. I had to lead, and I started on the wrong verse twice, so it's a lot of pressure. So what Jennings and Macy have to do, it's, it's tough. We usually have Mr. Sidney there to keep us straight, but we missed him yesterday. But we made it through somehow, wrong verses and all. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 2 again tonight. We're just going to continue right along. Hopefully we'll make it out before the rain gets here. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 12 and read through about verse 18, Lord willing. Last week uh, in the book of Philippians, as we were uh, just kind of getting into to chapter 2, uh, we begin to see Jesus, uh, uh, Paul tell the people of Philippi, to uh, try to have the mind of Christ. And he went uh, through exalting Christ, pointing out the humility and the obedience that Christ had uh, to give his life uh, for us. And that's kind of what uh, Paul was talking about last week. It was just a good passage of Paul just uh, giving the praise and the glory to Jesus for who he was and what he did. And so uh, we are going to continue on a little further. In verse 12 tonight, we will pray and then we will dig into the text. God, I come to you and I thank you, dear Lord, for uh, the privilege to speak tonight, dear Lord. And I pray that you would uh, give me the strength, God. I'm just a, a weak human, dear Lord, but I pray that you would speak through me, even in my weakness, God, that you would be glorified and that uh, your Holy Spirit would uh, bring something out of your word for us tonight that we can get, something that's going to help us, something that's going to encourage us, and something that's going to keep us on track, dear Lord, and something that's going to draw us closer to you. So I pray that you would just... Hide me behind the cross tonight, dear Lord, that you would do a, a mighty work here and that we would experience you uh, in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So Paul had just finished this, uh, this uh, few verses of talking about Jesus, and then he tells the people of Philippi, just have you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. So uh, these people that he's talking to are Christian people. We see that uh, early on in the book, that these people of Philippi are Christians. And then we get to a difficult verse after this uh, first couple of verses here of Philippians. It's a little bit of a doozy. It's one that there is a lot of uh, discussion as to what exactly does Paul mean. Because he goes on to say, But now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what in the world does Paul mean there? 
it would sound at first read that Paul is saying, look, you got you to gotta work out your own salvation. You have to earn your salvation. You better do it with fear and you better not mess up. And some would interpret it to be that, that that's what uh, Paul is saying there, that, that we somehow have to work to attain our salvation. Uh, there's a view called Pelagianism, and that's, what, that's the view that they hold, is that uh, you have to work to earn your salvation. But as I read through the Bible, what I see is that it's through Jesus Christ that we get our salvation. It is not through any work that we do. We do work because we are saved. We don't do work so that we can be saved. We gain our salvation through Jesus Christ and what Jesus did on the cross. And when we accept him, we have salvation. And I don't believe what Paul is saying here is that we must continue to work to earn or to keep that salvation. Because if God would allow us to work and earn our own salvation then that's a pretty cruel God. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, this is a God who sent His Son to die on a cross. And if Jesus wasn't necessary for us to uh, gain salvation, if we could do it through our own works and good deeds and merits, then that's a pretty cruel God. But we don't serve a cruel God. We serve a loving God. And what Jesus did on the cross was good enough. There's nothing that we can add to that. There are many religions that will preach Jesus and you have to believe in Jesus and you have to do X, Y, and Z and you have to jump through these certain hoops. But the Bible says there is Jesus. There is no and. There is no other. There is nothing that can be added to what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross was perfect and complete and there is nothing that can compare to that and there is nothing that can be added to that. Amen. And so there is no work that we can ever do that would ever gain us a good standing in the eyes of Christ, or in the eyes of God. We have a relationship with God through Christ and what He did on the cross. Now, does that mean we're not supposed to do any works? Does that mean that we just get that salvation through what Jesus Christ did and just go out and live our, our life the way we want to? Not at all. We don't work to gain our salvation, but once we have experienced the love and forgiveness of God and we realize we do not deserve it, it is only by His grace that we got it. Once we get that, as Christians, there is a desire, there is something in our heart that pushes us to want to go out and love people, that pushes us to want to go out and tell people about that good news of Jesus Christ, that causes us to have that little tugging on our heart when we begin to sin. When we begin to do things we shouldn't do and we feel that conviction, that is of the Holy Spirit, that is of God. We do good and we do good works once we've become Christians, but it's not to become a Christian, but it's because we are Christian. It's because our lives are different. And what I believe Paul is saying here is to continue to work out your salvation, not to earn it, but you've received salvation, so continue to work in that. Continue to do those things that come along with salvation. Continue to do that good work with fear and trembling, he says. That's a, a reverent fear. We see that in Psalm chapter 2, verse 11, where it says the same thing that we should have a reverent fear of God. Some translations say fear, some say reverent awe, but it's a respectful fear. We should work it out knowing that we are serving an awesome and mighty God, not, not fearful that we should lose our salvation. How fearful would that be that we have the burden of knowing that, oh man, what if I do something wrong? What if I say something wrong? But it's a respectful fear to know what God has done for us, what God has called us to do, and that we are going to be about God's work and we're going to respect that calling that God has put on our life. 
So I don't think that Paul is saying we can earn our salvation here, but what I think Paul is saying is you've got your salvation, now go out and do what God has called you to do. We get a little more light on the subject in verse 13 that helps us to understand it a little better when Paul says, For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out His good purpose. So it's not even, it's not even us on our own that God can use apart from Him. Because it is God who is in us that has is, that is given us that desire that has given us that want to, that will to go out and do his work. That doesn't come from the devil. That doesn't come from the enemy. We're not born with that in us. That comes through the Holy Spirit. And it's God living in us that drives us to do what his will is, that gives us the desire to live a sinless life. Although we're not perfect, we'll never do it. But we desire to cut out sin. See, as Christians, we are, we are being sanctified. We're not fully holy yet. We're not perfect yet. But we are set apart. We are different from the world. We are set apart from the world because we are God's children. And so we're going through a process of sanctification. You don't reach that process while you're here on this earth. You'll never be perfect on this earth. But we should try our best. We should try our best to do all we can to avoid sinfulness. When we talk about salvation, it may be helpful for us to think about it in three ways. Past, present, and future. That is... We were saved when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we are being saved as Christians as we continue to walk and grow in God's Word and begin uh, continue to seek Him and live for Him. And we will be saved when Jesus Christ comes ultimately. And so we're in that process where we are saved as soon as we accept Jesus Christ, but we're still growing. We're not perfect yet. And there's coming a day where that'll, be, uh, where that'll come to be. We see Paul say that in, in early on in the book of Philippians. That he who started a good work in you will not stop it until the day of completion. It's not us that started the good work in us. It is God who started the good work. It is God that's doing the work that we see in these verses here. And it's God that is leading and desiring, uh, giving us the desire to do his will and to do his work. Boy, verse 14 is a good one for us to look at as Christians. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Mm, that's kind of tough sometimes. Because we do that sometimes. I mean, we do. We be honest. We grumble and argue. I've seen it plenty of times in this church and in other churches and outside of church and, and, and grumbling and arguing about little things that don't matter. But the Bible calls us Christians not to, not to grumble and argue but to try to get along. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with 100% with everything everybody says. But we need to watch ourselves next time the devil tries, to, tries to, to, to tempt us to argue with somebody else or talk about somebody else. Somebody does something. You call up somebody, you know what so-and-so did? And then you begin talking, and then they begin talking, and this other group begin talking, and then you get together. I heard what you said about me, and I heard what you said about me, and we begin to gossip, and then we begin to argue, and we complain. And how in the world as Christians can we do what God calls us to do if we're arguing amongst each other? The devil's got us right where he wants us if we're arguing with one another. So we've got to love one another. We gotta not let the devil have that foothold. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless. Listen to this right here. In a crooked 
and perverted generation, among whom you should shine like stars in the world. Now Paul says, look, the rest of the world is crooked and just totally just evil. But you as Christians shouldn't be that way. There should be something different about you. You shouldn't be arguing and complaining and grumbling and all these things shouldn't be going on. There should be something different about us if we're a Christian, if we call ourselves a child of God. There should be something visibly different about us as we live in this world of evil and darkness that when people look to us and when people see us as children of God, that they see something that's bright and something that's beautiful like stars in the sky. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever took the time to go out in the middle of the night and look up on a clear night at the stars, but boy, it sure is beautiful. When I was in California, there was a mountain right where, right where uh, a mile or two down the road from where I lived, and it was right on one side of the Golden Gate Bridge, and I used to drive up to the top of that mountain, and it was quiet, and it was a breeze, and you could look down into the city, and it was foggy there at night uh, a lot, but sometimes, some nights, it was really clear. And you could look out and you could see millions of people in the city and you could look up and you could see millions of stars in the sky. And that's a pretty awesome thing when you look up as far as you can see from side to side. And man, I used to think, boy, there is a God. And He did a mighty work. And that's what we should be as Christians. In this world that's clouded with fog and darkness, we should be shining so bright for the Lord that we shine through that. And when people see us, they say, wow, there is something different about them. But there has to be something different about us for the world to see that. Sometimes as Christians, we're living for the world. Sometimes as Christians, you'd be hard-pressed to, to find much difference. Sometimes we get way off track. We begin to get in sin. We begin to live for the world. We quit doing what God's Word says. We begin to suffer spiritually. And to the naked eye, we don't look much different from the rest of the world. But Paul is calling the, uh, the Philippian people here and saying, you should be different. You should be a light that is shining in this world so people can see it. And it's not so people can see it so they can give us the glory. It's so they can give God the glory. It's not that we should go out of our way so people can see it. Well, we, we need to be seen like, like stars, so let me go out and make a big... No, that's not what it is. We just need to live our lives normal. We don't have to go out of our way to make a big deal about ourselves and what we can do. But if we're living for God and if we're loving people, the world will see that and it will have an impact for the kingdom. And we need to do that. I think we do a good job of that, praise the Lord. But there may be times in our life that we need to look at ourselves individually and maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting us and we need to say, hey, there's some areas where I'm not reflecting God's glory the way that God wants me to. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I come to you tonight. I thank you for these good words. God, I thank you for doing the work for us that, that, that you didn't put the burden on us to try to earn our own salvation, dear Lord, because we never could have done that. So I thank you for Jesus and what he did. And I pray that you uh, help us never to fall into the trap of thinking that we can earn our salvation, dear Lord. It's not that, that we shouldn't do good works, and it's not that we don't desire to do what you've put in our heart. But God, we give you all the praise for for what Jesus did on the cross and for what you do for us, for the grace you have for us. I pray that you would help us to shine like stars, dear Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to set aside differences that we may have 
that we would forgive those who have wronged us, God, that those that we have wronged would forgive us, that there would be no place for arguing and grumbling here in your house, dear Lord, that you would not uh, cause dissension to come between your children, God, but that you would cause us to be uh, together as one in love so that we can be about your work. So I pray that you'd be with this church, dear Lord. I pray that you would uh, be with us this weekend as we go out into this into the harvest that you've placed in our path, that we would be a bright light for you, dear Lord, that the ones that we see would get to experience the love of Jesus Christ, that ones that have never heard before, dear Lord, maybe they'll hear this weekend. So I pray that you'd be with us and bless that effort. I pray that you would go before us now, that you would work on the hearts of those that we will see, dear Lord, that you would let your Holy Spirit uh, just begin to plant that seed so that we can come and tell them the good news, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.